With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Wildcat Radio. Welcome back, Wildcat faithful, to the Wildcat Radio podcast. My name is Ronnie Stoffel, and we are once again recording in the Vivid Seat Studios. To help me do so, I have Mr. Adam Green on the line. Adam, we're on, we're on the board. We're one and one. Back to Mount Five Hundred. How you doing, man? <laughs> Mount Five Hundred after being zero and one. It's more than that. It's the first win since what November second of last year. Been a while. So it's it's nice to be in the winning column. It's nice for us to be able to talk about a football victory. I'm ex- it's it's NAU, but still, I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, after Hawaii and obviously those the last two games that happened at the end of last year, we'll definitely take it. I mean, especially in the fashion that it went down in the first half. All right, Adam. And so before we get to that, though, just a couple housekeeping items. Wildcat Radio podcast. Subscribe for free through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, etc. Basically, any podcast catcher. Uh, also, be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle at Wildcat Radio AZ. Also, the Facebook page Wildcat Radio and. Uh, also, our website, wildcatradioaz.com, that is the exclusive home of all of, our, of all of our written content, these podcasts, the Survivor Pool, you name it, it's there. And I think we're actually working on integrating this content to Rob Bowron's uh, Beta Rank website yeah. as well. So I think that uh, for the listeners, uh, more to come on that. I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let uh, Bryant update all of you on that. So, But just keep an ear out for any of those updates. Um, but, but yeah, Adam, hey. Uh, one and one on the season. You know, at this point, we both actually predicted that we'd be sitting at two and zero. But you know what? It happens. So here we are, one and one. Um, for all of our listeners, Bryant and Rob uh, on, on the twelve pack side of the operation here have an NAU breakdown uh, that will be a more in depth breakdown of this game. Uh, so if, if you haven't yet, go back, give that a listen. Great stuff over there, as always. Adam and I are just going to do a quick rundown before we get into the Texas Tech. Uh, Texas Tech preview here. Um, but Adam, let, let's just start with the first half because I think, you know, there's a lot to feel good about in the first half and then we'll get to the second half or maybe, you know, not so much. But uh, in that first half, right, I mean, came out guns a-blazing, everything looked good. How did you feel overall about that first half? Great. And not to the extent that you're like, okay, Arizona's a really good football team, but what did we talk about last week? That Arizona needed to do certain things against NAU and basically had to crush them to even feel any semblance of positivity after this game because obviously when 10 points or so would have been like, that's, you know, it's a win, but still not a real win. But yeah, when you score touchdowns on what, one, two, three, four, five, six, your first seven drives of the game Mm -hmm. for Arizona and of course, you hold NAU out of the points total out of the scoreboard for their first two drives. They scored a touchdown on their third drive before punting on their fourth. Yep. it's Everything was clicking offensively and defensively, which is, I think, where we all have the most question marks and still have the most question marks. Defensively, they were fine. <laughs> they were getting the job done, allowing the offense to, if you're going to stop them, and this is kind of what I expect out of Arizona or how I think it needs to be for Arizona, where they're, if the defense can get a stop, Arizona goes down and scores. 
defense gets another step, Arizona goes down and scores, and before you know it, Arizona's up 14 nothing in this game, and you're like, okay, this is pretty good. You know, or 14 nothing, 21 nothing. Like, that's what you needed in this game, and that's what they didn't have against Hawaii because they got off that really slow start. So offensively, Arizona doing what it did to start this game allowed the defense to kind of get into that attack mode and have a little bit easier time, too. But then again, we have to qualify it. It was NAU. It, it was NAU, but I think you hit the nail on the head and exactly what we talked about. You know, there, there, there wasn't necessarily, um, I'm, I'm not going to give crazy kudos for all of this, right? Because as you said, I mean, it's NAU. You right, um, but we did say that this, this this would certainly be a cause for concern if what we saw didn't happen, right? I mean, that, that's one hundred percent. I mean, we'd be sitting here right now, really, really nervous. Um, you know, I, I think it's I think it's more than obvious. You know, as the game went on, they they let their foot off the gas. One thing I want to touch on. I mean, everything looked great, all aces for offense, right? Not not a they, until the second half, right? Um, seven seven possessions, seven touchdowns, uh, beautiful. Aces there. Yeah. Defensively is probably my concern, right? Because I think overall defensively in that first half, you know, they only allowed 13 points. Um, it could be argued that it should have been less than that because there were some pretty boneheaded plays that happened specifically that drew fouls, right? I mean, it, yeah. defensive holding and stuff aside, uh, and sportsmanlike conduct to, to, to me, you know, I'm all about. I'm all about, you know, getting fired up. You know, they, they came out with a purpose. You saw that. Everybody was fired up. That's fine. But at the same token, you have to keep a cool head from the standpoint of don't do stupid things that are going to pick up fouls and extend drives for the opponent. And that's something that we saw on the second drive. Ultimately, Jace Whitaker bailed out the defense by picking off Case Cookus uh, as, as they were driving, by the way, and he ended mm-hmm. up picking him off at the eight-yard line. And it, I mean, it was beautiful. It was his third pick of this early season. So I mean, He's it, been so good. It, it, it's it's crazy to think how much we missed him last year uh but yeah i mean complete side note yeah he, he's he's been so good this year and i'm very excited to have him back um but but the obviously the first one that comes to mind is you know they they had him basically they had him in a three and out on that second drive and then an unsportsmanlike conduct 15 yards kept it alive uh that mm-hmm. went on then to be you know lorenzo burns defensive holding that happens you know if you can get physical that's fine I, I don't necessarily have i don't take issue with the defensive holding stuff as long as it's not excessive as long as it's like you know what the hell are you doing type thing you know but um i can live with that the unsportsmanlike conduct there's no place for that but um, that unsportsmanlike conduct that was after they got the stop was it christian young on this one i believe you're just kind of yeah. being all excited not taunting anybody just celebrating the play yep and they threw a flag on that i don't <laughs> want to be in a situation <laughs> and I understand, like yeah I understand you can't give the refs that chance to do it. Yep. But let's be honest here. Unless he's standing over a guy, he's taunting someone. It's like, in terms of personal fouls, like that's pretty weak. It, it, it was right? it was the like, celebration, but and, and to be fair, it's been pretty consistent in the FBS level that you don't celebrate. You know, it's not the NFL, which is right? ridiculous. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, say, say what you want about it. I'm, I'm with you. I do think it's silly, but that is the rule, and you have to know better than that. You but know, do you like, think you maybe there's that. something to it though? After all the I say the crap the defense has gotten over the last couple of weeks where they get out there and they force basically a three and out. And they're like, yeah, that's right. We're doing our thing Mm -hmm. and kind of releasing some emotion, kind of releasing some of that frustration. And you're right. You have to play in control and you can't give the refs that opportunity to throw the flag. But to me, there are personal fouls and then there are personal fouls. And that to me was in the latter category where it's like, I want to get mad at him for doing that because it extended the drive, but I have a hard time getting upset with a player who celebrated his team's success in a way that was nonviolent, non-threatening. He was, he was fine. He was like, I don't understand how 
it, sh- it I get that they'll throw a flag sometimes because we see players celebrate at times where they don't get flagged. Yeah. But yet the refs did that time. And if they're going to do that, you have to be aware. Yes. But I, I can't get as upset about that call myself. I don't. Uh, that's that's fine. I'm just, you know, the, yeah, the rule that's is what the what situation they put themselves you know I mean? in. Yeah. Like, that's it. So you, you know the rule. Don't do it. It's as simple as that. Because you know what? Uh, this one, like I said, was bailed out by Case Cook, or excuse me, by Jace Whitaker, who picked off Case Cook. Sure. But I mean, clearly, you know, you had a three and out. And then obviously the defense you know, kind of let up. Like there were some big plays that got them down the field. So, uh, you know, bringing this thing full circle, it's just basically be smart. Uh, you can get away with it because it's NAU. You're not going to get away with that if it's Texas Tech or probably anybody else in the Pac-12. So just, you know, play smart. That's fine. Defensively, 13 points in the first half. Uh, I, I have no bones to pick whatsoever other than just that right. bonehead play there, right? So Yeah, uh, and that's the, the theme of penalties though, and that's an overall thing, but Arizona had what, 11 penalties for 127 yards, most of which were personal foul type penalties, mm-hmm. which are I guess if you have to take one, though, I'd rather take those because if it's defensive holding, if it's pass interference, if it's offensive holding, beat. Right, like it's it's a talent disparity. You're playing poorly. Personal fouls outside of a targeting call that Darian Clark got, which was warranted. Like that was absolutely the definition of a targeting penalty. Like the the celebration ones, I guess in theory those can be ironed out. You can get that out of your game. Whereas if you're just getting beat, if your corners are having to grab and jump on guys, and if your offensive linemen have to hold to keep the defensive guys away from your quarterback, that's a problem. That's something where maybe your skill isn't very good. If it's just keeping your emotions in check, I like to think that they'll be able to do that going forward. But I guess until you see it happen, no. Definitely feels correctable. Like, <laughs> I'm yeah. with you there. Definitely feels correctable. Um, let's move on quickly here. Just some other key points before we jump to the second half. Uh, Khalil Tate. Quill tape looked good, I thought, right? I mean, it's exactly what you wanted to see. Uh, Gary Brightwell obviously broke off the big run, and boy, I forgot how fast he was. That was, he was, <laughs> and, and again, I mean, I know it's NAU, but I mean, you could still be fast and play for an FCS team, you know, like that's legit speed out there. So mm-hmm. um, that, that was very good to see. JJ Taylor got going a little bit too. Um, let's just jump to it, man, right? So uh, Tate played about a third of the game, and then in comes Grant Gannell, who is the future. I mean, we know this is the future. This is Tate's last year, and Grant Gannell is the future. Uh, good Lord, man. He put some <laughs> in the bucket. Those are some pretty deep throws, too, that he was just putting right on the money. Uh, overall, yeah. overall, how do you feel with Grant Gannell's performance in this one? You qualify it again with NAU, but he was putting the ball. He was thrown to the right guy, and he was accurate, especially the deep ball they had to uh, to read in the second half. Like That was just like, whoa. Yeah. You know? And and that's the type of thing where it's only one game and he's a true freshman. And if I guess if Khalil Tate had a serious injury where he was out for the season, I would feel comfortable enough if they brought Ganella and burned the retro and said, you're our guy for the next four seasons. Mm-hmm. But ideally, this is just one of four times that we'll see him this season where you're like, OK, keep your red shirt. You can have you know four years after this one. But you no, know, absolutely. All the hype that you heard about him when he signed as a recruit. And then we read and probably heard a lot about him during camp how good he was looking. Mm-hmm. And for our first time to see him, he totally validated that. And it's nice when that happens because we hear a lot about guys in fall camp and how it's their best camp ever. They're in great shape. They're doing this, they're doing that. And then they come out and you're like, like, well, that's underwhelming. <laughs> Whereas this was a case where we heard all these good things. And again, a highly rated recruit at a position where Arizona is going to need someone to take the torch from Khalil Tate this season after the season. Yep. And at least for his first outing, nine of 11 for 151 yards and three touchdowns overall. I don't know what more you could ask from the guy. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I was very pleased. And, and you know what? I think that you're right. I mean, that hype that you saw about him really keeping up with Quill Tate, I mean, I have no other option but to believe it was true, right? I mean, he just looked really on point. Again, the qualifier being that it was NAU, but I mean, he just, he, that, that's what you want to see, especially in these type of situations, you know, against you know, maybe these tune-up opponents like that, right? So, uh, yeah, I, I was very pleased. And, and honestly, uh, I, I'm very encouraged with, with what the future holds here. Um, <laughs> if only Eric. Arizona could play NAU every week. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> that would be, be fantastic. Should we just should we just reclassify to the big sky and just turn it Change like, conferences it? and have a fun time. North <laughs> Dakota State? I mean, is that what is that what we're going for here? Um, I dig it. I'll do it. Hey, uh, Adam, so let's move to the second half here. So I just want to point out, um, you know, th- there was a lot of Twitter buzz in the first half, uh, and I guess I should say more so at the end of the game where Arizona ended up allowing almost 500 yards to NAU. Um, you know, we need to point out that what 127 or so of that w- was based off of penalties, right? Yeah. So, so immediately that brings it down to, you know, somewhat a respectable number, I would say. Um, and then especially considering that we were on to our second, third string guys. I know Shane Dale uh, was, was kind of making you know, a point of this on Twitter. And, and, and I definitely agree with what he's saying that it's really more the concerning piece was, you know, this is, you know, and, and keep in mind case Cookis, who is, who is, it was a, you know, a big name in the FCS level. He's a competent fifth fifth year guy for NAU. He knows what he's doing out there, and you saw flashes of that. Um, he played really up until I believe it was that last drive for NAU. So I mean, all this yeah. time, you know, the twenty eight points that NAU put up in the second half, uh, twenty one of that was Case Cook is really just taking apart the, the second, third, and probably even fourth string guys really on the team. Um, but I do want to just point out in that first half. Arizona, when it was legitimately the first string guys and then a little bit of the second string guys, we had we had only given up 218 yards of which, you know, you can probably I mean, you know, right off the bat, there were a couple defensive holding penalties just from those first couple drives and then the 15 yarder. So right there is 25 yards that brings it sub 200 uh, of legitimate uh, of legitimate yards gained by NAU, I can live with that. You know what I mean? Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I totally get it. I mean, there is no point in leaving the starters in the entire game. I think everybody can agree with that. Um, it is a little disconcerting, I guess, from the standpoint of, like, you know, that our third stringers, you know, we're kind of getting gashed a little bit. Um, I'm willing to just say, hey, you know what? I think that obviously this thing was well under wraps at 51-13. Everyone kind of let up a little bit, and I like it or not. I mean, that's not necessarily the style that I'd like to operate with, but that's what happened. I'm not going to cry over it. Adam, how do you feel about the second-half performance? Mixed reactions because, yeah, you do look at it and say the guys that Arizona would rely on, like, for instance, Saturday against Texas Tech, weren't the ones playing in the second half against NAU. Right. But the problem becomes, what if they have to rely on those guys? And like, what if there's injuries, which there always are? What if some players True. struggle? What if there's suspensions? A guy gets targeted. You, you want your backups to be better than NAU, than NAU starters, because that's the idea. You're a Pac-12 school. So other programs find a way to win these games 65-7. to 7. It is possible. Mm-hmm. to have. Now, Arizona would look at it and say a lot of their backups are freshmen or redshirt freshmen who are getting their first real action in a game and they have a lot to learn. And that's probably true. Like that's so to the extent that they got game action and a lot of these players who aren't going to play much unless there's injuries or at least haven't played much college football, it's a good learning experience for them and allows the coaches to kind of see what they need to work on. So the fact that they struggle, like the game was never in doubt, right? Like in Arizona, I ended up winning the game comfortably. And you, like you said, the first half when it was, 
I guess it was never competitive, but when it could have been competitive, Arizona blew him out of the water. Like, it wasn't even close. So the fact that it became 65 to 41, the whole second half was garbage time points. And I, you'd like to see Arizona's back. So Colin Schooler, Michael Lev had it. Colin Schooler didn't play the entire second half. You don't want to, you want to tell me that the defense wouldn't be that much better if Colin Schooler's on the field? That some of the communication issues they might have had would have been, wouldn't have been solved if Colin Schooler's out there, if him and more of these starters were out there. So... Like you want your young players to be better than that, absolutely. But given that they're young players, given that they're not your first or even second string guys, it's understandable that they would struggle to that level. Maybe that's where some people will say, no, that's not okay. But I, I think you're right about this. It's hard to be really upset about it, given the context of who was out there, what the game situation was in terms of who a- NAU had out there, and the fact that even then, like Arizona's not running all their blitz schemes. They're just kind of saying, just man up and go play football. They're not doing any of their packages or anything creative with those guys because they're trying to get a look at some players. It's, I guess, think of it like a spring game or even the fourth preseason game in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like, do you really judge a team off of guys who either aren't going to be on the roster in the NFL or at least aren't going to be relied on barring the absolute worst-case scenario? And a lot of teams, if they have to turn to their third string, third, fourth, fifth, sixth cornerbacks and fourth linebackers, they're going to be in trouble. I don't think Arizona's alone in that regard. I think you raise a really good point there on how vanilla they kept things defensively. And I know last week we talked about something we really want to see because we didn't see it in week zero against Hawaii was the idea of this pass rush. You know, when's the pass rush going to pick up? Um, I would assume it was 100% by design that they kept it vanilla and they didn't flash any blitz packages because I didn't see anything too complex. And, and frankly, I don't, and I'm, I'm looking for need the stat. It. You shouldn't need it. And I don't even know actually if they got a sack in this one. I was trying to find the stat on that. I don't believe they did. Um, but I mean, does that worry you or, or are you just buying into the fact that they 100% went in with the game plan of, no, we're not flashing anything because everything that we have to flash will be flashed against Texas Tech. And, and it's, I don't want to say, a must-win game because honestly i'm to the point of using that way too loosely but um you know to really i mean i would really say to to somewhat salvage the season at this point with the heavy pack play coming up um sure i mean this texas tech game i mean do you feel confident that yeah that's it it was just vanilla we're not flashing any of that because we're going to load it against texas tech yes and no because most defenses especially unless you're alabama or one of the elite defenses you can't just line up and whip whoever's in front of you physically but I'd like to think Arizona's talent level would be able to do that, where Arizona wouldn't need to get creative defensively to get a pass rush on Case Cookus in the first half. And they really didn't in that situation. So I understand that Marcel Yates probably has some, like, he better, has some blitz packages and creative wrinkles to throw at Texas Tech. I would hope he does. He's a defensive coordinator. That's what he gets paid for. Yeah. But at the same time, I would feel a little bit better if Arizona's pass rush and the guys that they're relying on. the Because in the first half, it wasn't like they were getting a tremendous pass rush mm-hmm. on Cookus. Now, teams get the ball out quickly a lot of the time. But someone like Harris, who everyone was relying on, had, I think, one sack in this game. Um, so it's, it's an issue in that, in theory, they should be able to just line up one guy. Arizona's guys dominate NAU's guys, and all of a sudden, the defense looks really good without having to get creative. Sure. So the fact that they weren't creative in this game doesn't bother me so much because I understand why you wouldn't be. But at the same time, I think I would have liked to have seen a little bit more, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for, but explosiveness from, I guess, the front seven 
with regards to just line up and beat the guy in front of you and get to the quarterback, get plays in the backfield, tackles for losses. But again, the starters didn't play in the second half, and maybe had they with that kind of lead, those things would have happened. Yep. Because now NAU's in pass, pass, pass mode, and your guys get just to go tee off on. I'm like, that's very possible, and that's an excuse I'm trying to make for this defense because 51-13, 13 points in the first half is fine. You know, that's, you'll take that really for anybody this season mm-hmm. if Arizona holds them to 13 points and a half. But I guess the way it happened, like you said, there was an interception that Whitaker got at the eight-yard line on a drive and just so many things. Or it wasn't a dominant defensive performance so much as it was just a solid one. And that's when the starters were in. But sure, I would like to think that Saturday there'll be some creativity on defense that'll help the defense do a little bit better at times. Speaking of Saturday, Adam, are you going to head down to the game? We'll see. I'm, I'm hoping to. I got to see how the weekend plan plays out and track down some tickets. But it would be, it might be a fun one. Well, I might be able to help you with the tickets, Adam. Uh, for all the Vivid Seats tickets out there, you can download the app, Vivid Seats app. Use promo code Overtime and save up to one hundred dollars on all ticket purchases. Just keep in mind, Adam, that is for first-time customers only. But if you are a first-time customer, Adam, hop on in there. The uh, promo ah, code am overtime. I eligible? Uh, if you're a first-time user, you're 100% eligible. Use that promo code OVERTIME, and that goes for all of you listeners out there, too. So if you're heading down Sweet. to the game or wherever you are, you're going to any game this weekend, Vivid Seats mobile app, promo code OVERTIME for up to $100 savings. So, Adam, uh, I think it's time to officially switch over to a little Texas Tech preview here. And for our listeners, we have a special guest to help us break this one down. But Adam, before we get to our special guest, let's take a quick break to hear from a couple more of our sponsors. All right, Adam, so let's go ahead and move on to our game preview here for Texas Tech. The Texas Tech Raiders coming down to Tucson. It will be the first Power 5 non-conference matchup Arizona has had since 2012. To help us break down the Red Raiders, we have Jeremy Gillen on the line from Viva the Matadors. They cover Texas Tech through SB Nation. Jeremy, how you doing? Thanks for joining us. What's up, guys? It is week three, and I am feeling it. Is there anything greater than that last week of non-conference, at least for us Big 12 people? And I know for Texas Tech fans especially, this is the best, uh, these are the best three weeks of our program because once we get into conference, it's just a, it's just a gauntlet, and we open up with Oklahoma. So this is going to be the best week of football. I know that. Yeah. yeah, I imagine, too, because you guys, for Texas Tech, the first couple of games weren't exactly – great opponents and now for i know most arizona fans look and see the wildcats like this amazing team but yet for texas tech it's the first real good opportunity to maybe see how good exactly that team is right uh absolutely this is something that we have talked about over at viva the matadors um just in texas tech circles uh arizona is kind of our first real test the first two games that we had were good opportunities for our offensive and defensive coordinators to kind of go through a lot of different um schemes kind of see where the team worked best and where they didn't. Uh, that's why if you look through some of the stat lines, you're like, okay, well, is this really like that good of a team if they're only getting 38 points against UTEP? Uh, but if you look at all the plays, we're just trying those dumpy screen plays and seeing if they work. And uh, guess what? They didn't really. So now we have a better uh, scheme going forward. But Arizona remains the first non-conference opponent, opponent of the season, and that's definitely kind of where we can see where we are as a program going forward. Yeah, it definitely makes sense to me. 
me, Jeremy. Uh, you know, I, I guess the biggest thing for us, I mean, obviously, you know, we're, we're coming off a, uh, a victory over NAU in-state school, FCS level, much like uh, actually Montana State, your first game, uh, one of the big sky foes that Montana State has. Uh, you know, it, it was it was a little bit of that for us, too, you know, kind of kind of some weird stuff, just trying to work things out, maybe not trying to show too much. Uh, you know, this, this is not necessarily about uh, Arizona, this segment anyway, uh, but, you know, our biggest thing was uh, our quarterback, Cleo Tate, played for about a third of the game or so, you know, really not showing that much at all. Hawaii, there was probably a little bit more just because we were fighting, uh, you know, tooth and nail to, to do what we could. Ultimately, we fell short there. Um, but, you know, this is year two of Kevin Sumlin. We know on your side, uh, a coaching change as well. Cliff Kingsbury is out. Matt Wells of Utah State is in. Uh, how has how, that transition been? I mean, obviously off to the, the strong start to 2-0, but, but overall a little bit more in the weeds. How has that transition been to Matt Wells? It, this is this is an interesting topic, and I had written an article at length about it uh, in the offseason. I personally think that Matt Wells is coming in with the most pressure as a head coach uh, in this lineage of coaches that we've had. Because if you look back, um, a pinnacle coach in Texas Tech history is a guy named Spike Dykes. And his overall record is really nothing to boast about. But people in West Texas truly appreciate a guy who settles down and like with you know, absolute grit and love for the West Texas community, like gets it done. And it doesn't really matter if all the wins stack up, but so long as they're West Texas, it seems to make it okay. Uh, and then following that you had Mike Leach. I don't need to explain to you guys who that is. <laughs> um, <laughs> following that we had Tommy Tupperville and that was a disaster. Uh, he was not interested in West Texas. Uh, and then you have kind of this return of the prodigal son in Cliff Kingsbury. Um, somebody who quarterbacked at Texas tech and then hopped around at, or the coaching carousel ended up actually someone at a and M and then ended up leaving there to come back to coach Texas tech. The numbers didn't speak uh, for anything highly for him somehow fails his way upward into the NFL, which is, you know, whatever gravity doesn't exist. Uh, <laughs> so then we get this guy from Utah state that nobody has ever heard of. Um, and there was a lot of questions at the beginning and there was a lot of resentment for the decision that was made made uh but i think a lot of people need to understand our athletic director has done nothing but steer this university in the right direction and you can kind of see that based on texas Tech's spring sports there's been a lot of like championship and championship contention and that's something that we're not used to and so that's awesome um so he's been looking at matt wells for quite a while and this is a guy who when he landed in lubbock he's like all right let's hit the recruiting trail and you know the next couple of weeks he was already out talking to commits that came under Kingsbury and he just wanted to go out and be like, okay, it's a regime change, but I'm here for you and I'm here for Texas tech. And I think he's really grown on people, especially through these first two games. He's really a no nonsense kind of guy. We had a couple of people who had to leave the program due to disciplinary issues, but he's really just kind of high and tight um, family man. And that really resonates with the West Texas culture. So we'll see uh, as these things usually go, we'll see throughout the season. Like if he starts losing all the games, you know, how, how much do people really like him? But as for right now, it seems like everybody's completely on board with Matt Wells and what he's doing. So I imagine a 2-0 and start has a lot to do with that. Last year, of course, Kevin Sumlin was his first year in Tucson, and Arizona started off 0-2, and already people are like, oh, geez, what's happening here? But I know Matt Wells was a guy that I think U of A fans were even interested in when Arizona was looking for a coach, and Texas Tech was able to hire him. How much do you think that 2-0 and start has played into the idea that people are like, okay, we'll give this guy a chance? Well, let me tell you something that really kind of set it off for people and saying that, oh, man, maybe he's the real deal. Um, in his interview, 
and, and a number of interviews that coaches do when they come in, you know, they're like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to win this on this side of the ball. We're going to do this. So Matt Wells kind of structure for success was, okay, we're going to stop the run. Okay. No more of that nonsense as Texas tech is infamously bad at. Um, we're also going to run the ball. Well, again, something else Texas tech is not known for. He said, we're not going to be committing stupid penalties. Okay. Again, something Texas tech was infamous for under the Kingsbury. And then even like way before him, just an inability to have discipline before the snap, which is always frustrating. Uh, and through these first two games, I think we've had a total of four, uh, five, six, maybe seven penalties. And a couple of those were garbage penalties. Uh, so that's, nice. I know you're telling me, so this is something that tech fans are like, Whoa, uh, wait, really? Like you're doing something about this. Um, we've run the ball. We've almost done a 50, 50 split on pass and run plays and had about equal success on that. And that again, when we're running the ball, you have all these people, there's this big rift between like, we need to do the air raid. We need to, you know, sling that ball out there and just pass, pass, pass. I'm like, okay, what's the last national championship team you've seen that hasn't run the ball? And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's been really refreshing. And just the defense, the defensive production thus far, I think um, last week against UTEP, I, I argue it would be worse than Montana State, but holding them to like 130 yards total offense, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's, that's effective. Because even last year against Lamar, uh, we didn't do that. And Lamar was a terrible school um, that we shouldn't have been, had bothered playing but still gave up a lot of yardage. So I think even though these are somewhat not as reputable teams as Power 5, um, I think it's important to see kind of the trends. And right now, the trends are looking good. And again, that's going to be all put on the table this week. I 100% agree with you in terms of trends, especially defensively. Uh, I, I think I think overall, you know, you, you definitely mentioned there, Jeremy, that there are some key pieces on defense. I definitely want to get to those here shortly. And as we pivot more into, you know, more specific personnel uh, topics here, I, I think the, the first one that jumps off to me offensively, of course, is is Alan Bowman, right? Uh, he, he had an awesome season last year. Uh, he got hurt, as I understand it, right? Missed some time, but, you know, he's back healthy. And through these first two games, you know, albeit against, you know, Montana State, UTEP, fine, still out there producing, completing 71% of his passes, nearly 700 yards, five touchdowns. He's even run one in. Uh, wh- what are your thoughts so far and, and how pleased are you with, with, uh, with Alan Bowman coming into the season? Man, uh, let me tell you, it's, it's hard to bounce back from when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes. Can we all just agree that Texas tech (laughs) wasted their time with Patrick (laughs) just because we didn't have an average defense to kind of let him succeed. Um, So when you have a guy like that, you start to create this prototype. I think a lot of tech fans uh, became entitled in a sense of like, we should have the best quarterback and like, we should be experiencing these 360 no look passes that go 80 yards down the field for a touchdown. Like that's just became natural for a moment. And I think when we started out the season last year with uh, McLean Carter, he's now um, a quarterback at Rutgers, which should tell you something. It, 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 he got injured, and here comes on a freshman named Alan Bowman, and nobody had any idea who this guy was. Um, Three-star coming out of, uh, can't even remember now, but see stuff like that and just starts you know, slinging the ball around. People are like, wait a minute, this guy's actually pretty good. Um, so that was refreshing and it, it really kind of ramped up really fast in the amount of production that he had through that season. And then we played Oklahoma 
And yeah, so he got that collapsed lung, and everybody thought the world was over because he didn't play pretty much the rest of the season. Um, but he bounced back. Uh, he, this offseason was nuts for him through like rehabbing, and I can't imagine the process of rehabbing a collapsed lung. Mm. Uh, but he swears oh. by like he's stronger at this point. You know, the cartilage or the cartilage, the tissue that's healed over, it's stronger. You know, it's not going to happen again. And so, I mean, uh, he's got kind of better range. Uh, he was really good at the short and medium balls, but his long balls are kind of difficult last year. Uh, he's definitely dialed that in. Uh, I would say that his uh, probably his top attributes are his just ability to be a captain. Um, this year with the new offensive schemes that are coming in under David Yost, he'll throw out a play, but it's up to Alan Bowman ultimately. And that's something that um, you won't get to see in the uh, Montana State game but something that i know is that yost was throwing out the wrong plays i should say like the he would line people up inappropriately and see how bowen would react just to mm. kind of create scenarios for future um inevitable situations where things just go wrong and man he handled it like a champ this is just a guy with high iq a high love for the game and a huge love for texas tech so it's just like the perfect fit for us right now and it looks like he has a bevy of receivers to throw to. I know TJ Vasher, you have a 6'6 receiver. That's going to be a tough cover for anyone, but I see three guys with at least 10 receptions and a few more with at least five. It seems like he's really spreading the ball around to just so many weapons. What can you tell us about the receiving core? Um, so that's something that was kind of a, I, I would actually say the biggest question mark coming into the season. Last year we lost Antoine Wesley, who was just another huge uh piece of our i think he's playing with baltimore right now in the nfl um he was a huge piece of our offensive scheme uh but this year we still have tj vasher like you said six six guy's a monster he can climb the ladder and he just does it at random and it's beautiful and it's a wonderful thing uh, but beneath him there's key players like dalton rigdon uh he's exceptionally fast had no idea how fast he was until he burnt the safety last game and you if you guys can look up the highlights just check that out uh xavier white who's actually a homegrown kid and I think a lot of people are taking notes from, I don't know if you guys recognize the name, Jared Culver, uh, kind of led the basketball yes. team this season, another homegrown kid. And uh, so a lot of Lubbockites are getting kind of inspiration, I would say, about, okay, you know what, maybe I can do it. And Xavier White's one of those players that walked on. Uh, he's from Lubbock Cooper, just walked on. And, uh, yeah, he's already got six receptions for 114 yards, become a reliable guy. Uh, McLean Mannix, I think you guys need to pay attention to. This is a transfer who came in from uh, Nevada. And he just honestly wanted a lot more attention. Um, so I came to the Big 12 and why he wanted to get behind a program like known for its offensive uh, prowess. So he just wanted to be a part of that. And he's really shown to be uh, effective hands in the open field. And then it kind of just kind of it really just becomes like a melting pot of sorts. After that, Eric Ezukanma is a guy who was on our national tr- uh, championship. Ch- man, I'm getting tripped up. Our national championship track team. Uh, he's exceptionally fast, hasn't touched the ball a lot, but don't be surprised if he gets it and gets out in the open. Um, I guess the best thing you say about it is there's just a lot of people. There's a lot of weapons. Yeah. And Texas tech is known for, you know, just like spreading the ball around that way. It's really hard to queue up. Cause if you, you know, okay. If you find somebody tall enough to defend TJ Vasher, we'll just undercut you with Dalton Rigdon or Mannix or white, um, Eric Zucama. Uh, and if we just want to lump in now the tight ends, that's a new feature. Uh, for Texas Tech, something that we're trying to incorporate and has been pretty successful. Um, and that will be Travis Kuntz uh, and uh, Dante Thompson are our kind of key tight end guys. 
Yeah, that's that, that's that's quite the bevy of of, of wide receivers, and <laughs> and you know I, I I'm definitely not looking forward to you know I think the biggest thing that caught my eye, uh, you know despite no more Cliff Kingsbury, you know honestly it does feel like the offense is pretty much picked up right where it left off in terms of you know high volume lots of plays run spreading the ball around all over the place tj vasher is definitely somebody that that uh that makes me a little nervous and then you know you mentioned everybody yeah, else under it. uh as, as you know you also mentioned though mclean mannix as a transfer let's go ahead and shift over to the running backs because right now your leading rusher is a transfer from utah um arizona fans may be a, a little familiar with the name Armin Shine, you know, beyond that, it seems like there is a lot of balance, really, uh, with, with the three-headed monster, perhaps, uh, but Armin Shine leading the way. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, what, you, what you've seen so far in the running game and what we should expect come Saturday night. Right, so going into this season uh, for Texas Tech, Tejon Henry uh, was our kind of number one guy. He was one of the only real guys that remained on the team. Um, so Roderick Thompson was there as well. Just wasn't really, didn't do a lot last year, but uh, Tejon Henry became our uh, number one guy and our like best ambassador on Twitter, which is always a weird dynamic. Uh, you're like, you know, my job is partly to be on Twitter. I just see Tejon all the time at weird hours of the day. He's like, yo, like commit to Texas tech, like come be a part of this family. I'm like, don't you have class or something, man? Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's a beautiful thing to see them building culture. And that's something that I think all teams really need is a, a guy to go out there and just be that ambassador. So, uh, but you said three-headed monster, and I think that's the best way to kind of approach that. Uh, like I said, Matt Wells, one of the first things he really wanted to impress on the donors, on the fans, on the press, he's like, Texas Tech will run the ball, and he's cashed in on that. Uh, I'm not sure I'm not sure if he just doesn't know who he wants to be the ultimate starter at this point or if he really believes that the ability to rotate uh, the dynamis, dynamicism, dynamicism, the dynamic nature of these running backs is going to be the most effective because Armand Shine, obviously a very well-built back. He's big. Um, he's got exceptional uh, veteranship. Like you said, he played at Utah. Uh, and the irony is that Matt Wells actually tried to recruit him once, mm. and he was like, nah, I'm going to go to Utah. And then when he came to Tech, he's like, hey, how about you come to Tech? And I guess Shine was like, well, you know what, all right. Um, so that was really great because, like you said, he is our leading rusher right now. He's just got a lot of good experience and game time experience, and that's just that's invaluable. Uh, Tejon Henry, like I said, just was our number one guy. has a lot of uh, has a lot of vision as a ball carrier. He can definitely make quick cuts, and it seems like he really doesn't give up on a play to the whistle. That's refreshing. And then a guy that you will not have heard of, but who is also exceptionally well, is Sir Roderick Thompson, and they call him Sweet Feet Thompson. And it's because I just, the guy jumps around like a bunny, I guess you could say, maybe Muhammad Ali-esque. I mean, the way he shifts his feet, it's a beautiful thing. You think a guy this big couldn't do it, but he does, and he's, he's tripped up opponents thus far, and I, I hope he continues to do it because it's just a, it's fun to see a guy work so hard to come from where he has and, uh, you know, end up into a, a scalable rotation for the running backs. But like I said, the three-headed monster is the best way to put it. You don't know how much of who you're going to see coming up on saturday but expect to see them all at the very least now jeremy after hearing all that i feel like texas tech has possibly the greatest offense in history and i know arizona you give up 41 points to nau 45 to hawaii no one expects arizona to really come close to stopping the red raiders on saturday but if you're giving the scouting report and saying if you're on arizona's side how do you go about stopping that offense what's the best way to at least slow them down if not stop them i guess 
I think one thing that you need to key in on is even though the offensive line is actually one of the most veteran groups in the NCAA, um, we're missing two key players right now in Terrence Steele and Jack Anderson. These are two like ex- like extremely exceptional offensive line pieces for our unit. Um, I don't know if they're going to be playing this Saturday. Their injuries are kind of like day-to-day, but they've kind of set out the first two. And I'm wondering if they're just sitting out the non-conference to get ready for conference. Um, again, if, if they're not playing, I think Arizona's best tactic attacking this Texas Tech offense is uh, pushing the offensive line. The, the way that it's kind of built is that there, there necessitates uh, time for Bowman to go through his reads and like let the play build and go with it. And I think if you can really get like undercut these less experienced linemen that we have, you can blow it up. You know, you can blow it up and like make Allen make plays with his feet, which he's not as comfortable with, um, despite maybe getting a rushing touchdown and being able to scramble a little. He definitely his accuracy goes down quite a bit once he gets, uh, you know, gets fuzzled. So. If shoot, if I was a DC, my entire game plan would be crashing the line um, and then just kind of playing a really good zone and having your players like ready and aware for the plays that are going to come up. And that just, you know, that just comes down to tape really at the end of the day. Well, Jeremy, I, I really, after this game, we may need to hire you as the defensive coordinator because <laughs> if you, I don't know if you've seen any of our first couple games, but uh, we, we've been lacking in that department. So hopefully that script flips this week because uh, Lord knows, you know, if, if you're going to do anything at any level of football, you definitely need to be able to, to rush the passer. So uh, I, I can definitely get on board with that. And I, I certainly hope to see it. I mean, because I mean, at this point, right, it kind of feels like that may be the only chance uh, to slow things down. Um, I, I do want to switch sides though now and, and focus a little bit on the defense because you do have a few key pieces on defense that uh, I'm very interested in your thoughts uh, and also how important they are overall just to the team. Uh, the first one that comes to mind, of course, is, is Jordan Brooks, the linebacker. I mean, this guy, I've been following him a little bit going back to last year too. Absolute stud, feels like the heart and soul of this defense, honestly. Can, can you talk, to, to, to talk a little bit about Jordan Brooks and what he means to the defense? Uh, well, if you know, so do you, you guys recognize who Dakota Allen is? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last chance you. Yep. Last chance you, the last chance you, uh, uh, starts at tech, ends up there, comes back to tech, has a stellar senior season, gets drafted to the Rams and all that. Um, I would have said Jordan Brooks statistically is better than Dakota Allen last mm-hmm. year, uh, in a number of respects. He didn't have the same story, so it just wasn't as sexy. You know how, uh, news pundits just love to latch onto the fun stories. Yep. But Jordan Brooks is somebody who has an incredible um, awareness. I feel like he almost sometimes knows the offensive play before it gets going. It's like if you're playing with your little brother or your friend, you're playing NCAA or, you know, rest in peace. You're playing Madden and um, you watch them pick the play and you're just pretending like you didn't (laughs) see what play they picked. You're like, oh, no, no, what are you doing? You're running to the right. Oh, I knew that. I just sacked you for, you know, 10 yards. Um, Sometimes it honestly feels like that. He has a great awareness when it comes to uh, just football IQ. I think he spends a lot of time, again, watching tape. Big, big, big uh, proponent of that. Um, But he's also got size. I mean, he's got the voice. He's just, this team rallies around him. And he's like, if he went down, our defense would definitely be a little bit or a lot of bit different than it is now. So he's just kind of a linchpin, a big bulldozing linchpin that can lay the hit. so definitely somebody to keep your eyes on going forward. And I will say, I feel like he's been snubbed multiple years now um, in the all big 12 group. He just never ends up on that list. And despite being statistically one of the best linebackers in our conference. 
say that defense has played very well up to date, given up to date, given up 13 points in the two games. We talked earlier about how maybe the competition wasn't as good about as Arizona will be. And of course, Arizona has an offense that scored 65 points last week, 38 in a loss to Hawaii. What's the thought process or what are people talking about on that side of things on the Texas Tech side of things in terms of how they're going to handle Khalil Tay, JJ Taylor, Arizona's running game and their receivers too. Yeah. Um, this is a good question. This one is harder for me to answer. Uh, <laughs> could you be, could you imagine? Um, so like I said, something going into this year, Matt Wells honed in on was stopping the run. And this is when we have to go back to talk about trends is that these first two opponents, albeit not the best and not even average, really, uh, they were heavily run focused. And I think something Texas tech did extremely well was defending that. And even last year, like I said, Lamar still ran. There was just a lack of strength the lack of awareness it just seemed like the game plan was like okay well we'll kind of let them get towards the end zone but then we'll stop them you know that bend don't break nonsense and this year we have a defensive coordinator keith patterson he's just like you know forget that nonsense like make them not even get the next first down and um one of my favorite stats for this year and again it's a trend but i think uh, we're ninth in the nation for third down conversions, or second, excuse me, nation for third down conversions. Uh, opponents have only converted four out of their 31 attempts. Ooh. I think that just speaks volume. Uh, uh, this defense just is relentless. And with a guy like Khalil Tate, who's going to be our first real kind of threat at quarterback, and definitely somebody we need to have now, because if you look at the guy we have, we have Jalen Hurts after him. Like, this is a guy that we need to absolutely make sure we can stop because he's only. Not he's a supreme athlete, but he is kind of uh, a B version of what we're about to face. So we we better get this guy because if we can't, then you know the next the next game is going to be misery. So uh, I have no doubt that Patterson and all of the position coaches are really honing in on we have to play our schemes. Uh, Patterson has implemented a lot of uh, difficult schemes, and I think a good way to place it is that we're not relying on. Uh, basic packages with overloaded talent. I think we're relying on complicated packages with average talent and relying on football IQ to win the day. And sometimes it does. And Patterson's somebody who comes from a history, almost an immaculate history of being a top 50 defense and division one. And that's hard to do no matter what yeah. school you are. So I think he's trying to re-implement that here. And he's just taking the same t- tactics he had at Utah state and applying them here. And I think, even though we're a bigger school in terms of pretty much every category, we're almost on the same level as Utah State in regards to talent, honestly. Um, not everybody wants to come to Texas Tech for a number of reasons. And now it's changing with the culture that our athletic director has created and like basketball, track, you know, all of that success will brood more success. But all in all, football attracts kind of like the three star maybe one four-star guy a year and that's being generous so they're just going to be attacking with intelligence and attacking with difficult schemes i think our main goal is to just make khalil tate beat us um with good play and that's honestly a possibility it's a production but i do think that there will it'll be a lot more frustrating than what he's had thus far All right, Jeremy. So that's a great breakdown for both sides of the ball. We are at the point where we're going to ask for your prediction. So Vegas opened the line today, late 
last night I actually opened at Texas Tech being favored by three points there has been a little bit of movement on that on the Arizona side bringing it down to two and a half the over under actually opened at 71 and a half and it's jumped three points so people are just hammering the over <laughs> and I understand that I definitely understand why they would um, but Jeremy I mean you know lines over unders all that aside uh, let, let's go ahead and hear it what do you anticipate to see and what what, what outcome do, do, do you foresee come Saturday night Oh man. Um, this is always hard because, uh, I just hate giving like the ultimate say and then always being wrong. Even (laughs) if I'm like, Oh, they won, but only by like two points. I'm like, Oh, I said they win by 40 and then we do it every week. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, I get it wrong every week. You gotta commit, you know, forget what everybody else says. Forget on Facebook. That's what I learned. Um, man, I just think with, like you said, and we've honed in on it, uh, the cats defense, I don't think they're just as prepared for what Texas tech is bringing offensively. So I imagine that it will be a high shooting affair. Um, but there was a quote today and I thought about it and I'm so glad that I was able to come on tonight to bring it up. Uh, our coach Wells, somebody asked him about, okay, you know, how do you keep up with, uh, offense like Arizona with the Supreme quarterback, like Khalil Tate and his, his response. And again, just earning that West Texas grit kind of like accolade. He just said, Oh, I'm not afraid to get in the gunfight with Arizona. Uh, I, I I just know that our defense isn't ready, isn't going to let them get in the gunfight. So okay. he's, yeah. So I mean, he's like I tell you, man. He's the guy. If he could wear spare spurs and Wranglers all day, I think he would. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm kind of riding. Now, I'm going to ride on that high. I think that Tech's defense is going to be a little more surprising than people expect it to be. I do not expect Arizona to score anything less than like 27, but I do expect Texas Tech to at least be a seven point victor. So do I have to give a score? Yeah, why not? Be, Throw it out. We'd there. like okay. it. Hey, let's just so wait seven, so seven, seven. so like carry th- the two. I'll give it carry the two. I, I think okay. we'll get. Oh man, how many points did you say uh, Hawaii scored? Forty-five. 45. Yeah. Oh, they turned the ball Lord. over six times in that game. Woo! Okay. <laughs> well, okay. I'll, I'll be I'll, okay. We'll say forty-five, and but Arizona only gets thirty-two. Hmm. 4532. Okay. All right. I could buy that. There cool. Okay. I don't like it. I wouldn't buy it, but I could. Yeah, well, all right. But like at least we're all on the same page that that's not ridiculous. Okay. It's not. No, <laughs> no, 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 not at all. No, no, not 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 what I have the first concern that out. Uh, no, hey, I, I and you know what? Adam and I are gonna make our predictions here um at, at the end here shortly. But uh no, I, I totally understand where you're coming from, man. I I, I really hope that the defense turns out uh for Arizona, obviously, and at least keeps things uh, at least respectable. I mean, I think probably I, I would say that the narrative across the fan base, and I feel like I can speak for the fan base at this point, is uh, you know we're hoping for the best, but not necessarily expecting the best, right? So uh, we'll obviously see how it all goes. Jeremy, uh, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Best of luck on Saturday, and, and Jeremy, also too, just for our followers, where, where can people follow you on Twitter? If you really want to follow me, you can do at Jeremy. Dane, it's J E R A N E Y, Dane, like the people. But really, uh, just give Eva the Matadors a follow because that's where I spend 99% of my time online. Uh, it's where all the jokes, all the gifts, all the medium takes, that's where it all comes down. <laughs> Viva the Matadors, people. The room temperature takes. Viva the Matadors. We got it. Perfect. All right, Jeremy. Well, hey, thanks so much. And again, best of luck on Saturday. Yeah, no problem, guys. Wreck thanks, em. Jeremy. All right, Adam. So let's actually take one more quick break here to hear from a couple more of our sponsors before we digest and unpack everything that we just heard from with Jeremy. 
All right, Adam. So that was some good stuff with Jeremy. Um, it's basically, it's, it's what we thought, right? I mean, it's Texas tech after these first couple games, as, as, you know, as you pointed out, I mean, some cupcake stuff against Montana state and UTEP. I mean, I think what I I think I wrote this this week that, that or Utah or excuse me, UTEP, excuse me, UTEP, not Utah, uh, UTEP has won. Utah's like, good. UTEP's the, not. Yeah, Utah's way better than the stat I'm about to throw out there. <laughs> UTEP has won, what, six games in their last 36, I think it was? Uh, brutal, brutal. And, I mean, we know that. You know, in 2017, the, the last real game Brandon Dawkins played uh, for Arizona was against Utah. Or Utah. Keep doing it, man. <laughs> I, I, I really hope Utah crafts You just need to watch like them Utah on the does. field. You won't get them confused anymore. <laughs> that, that, that's true. Um, but even that year, even that year that Brandon Dawkins on that Friday night went off and we won, like, like 63 19 Sean Brown had the punt return for a touchdown I think with a spin move it was really cool everything was working they went winless that year and so since, <laughs> that, time, since that time they won like three games so it's really hard to put any any true stock much like Arizona's performance last week against NAU um, but I you know I'm gonna subscribe a little bit just because I mean they this roster is what Cliff Kingsbury created what yeah. he recruited and Matt Wells you know yes he's gonna build in some of that running game, as Jeremy alluded to, and, and he has been right with the three-headed monster there uh, in, in in the backfield. But I think you know I'm going to subscribe to the fact that I mean this is still a very dangerous team. Um, you know, how do you feel after speaking with Jeremy about the same? A little better, a little worse? Where do you stand? I, it's good to get that insight because we see the stats and we know them from the Cliff Kingsbury time. But this is that roster with different coaching and. I don't know if I feel any better about Arizona's chances, but I also don't know if I feel any worse because when you do look at Texas Tech, and Jeremy alluded to it as well, I, they haven't played anyone good. So the question is, how much of what we've seen from Texas Tech is a mirage? Mm-hmm. Now, I think we can understand Alan Bowman, now that he's healthy, he's not a mirage. He's a good quarterback. No, he's a very good quarterback. He was good last year before he got hurt. He's good this year. Like, that's, that's real. And TJ Vasher was good, the six foot six receiver. He's good mm-hmm. in this passing game. Like offensively, there's not a doubt in my mind that Texas Tech is as good as what we've seen up to this point. Not a doubt in my mind. What I wonder is defensively, because I understand that there's probably more of an emphasis on defense because Cliff Kingsbury is no longer their coach, but they've been one of the best defensive teams in the country up to this point. So I, I, they, they're giving up 210 yards. Like that's their defensive average right. between the two games that they've played. They've given up 13 points total in two games. Like they're not that good. Mm-mm. So when I look at this matchup after talking to Jeremy and understanding that, yes, I buy a hundred percent that that offense is excellent. But I also think you could say the same about Arizona. The question is we don't, neither of us feel good about Arizona's defense but do we really know how good or bad Texas Tech is right now? And I'm just not sure we can answer that, but I would almost lean towards it not being anywhere close to what we've seen through the first two games. So I want to start with, uh, with the matchup of Arizona's defense versus their offense first, right? Um, this one 100% will be predicated on getting to Bowman. I don't even care if you sack him honestly as long as he's rushed if he has time to set up and i you know i i really try and, and we didn't actually touch on this with the nau piece um I, i'm I, I was very pleased to see lorenzo burns back out there because you know with the concussion or whatever happened to him at hawaii and kevin sumlin being so tight-lipped about any any injuries and rightfully so i mean that's fine um but i it was just nice to see him out there when you have lorenzo burns and jace whitaker as your one-two cornerback you feel pretty good until until you get in a situation 
situation where there's a Cedric bird out there, I guess. But, uh, you know, like, you know, I, I think things will start coming together on that front. You know, as Bobby Wolf gets out there a little bit more, he's starting to get some more reps. Uh, there is some depth within the secondary. I think it's 100% though predicated bringing back to the point of getting to Bowman because you can have all the talent in the world you want back there, but it's very, very difficult if Alan Bowman is going to simply set up shop and have five, six, seven seconds to figure this thing out and find an open guy. Because yeah. Texas there will Tech, always be an open guy with that kind of time. Texas always. Tech is going to find somebody who's open. I mean, they, they, they I mean, you heard Jeremy, right? TJ Vasher, I mean, that's you know that that's the thoroughbred pride and joy. But they have. A lot I of assume Whitaker gets on Vasher. If that that's what I would do, just have him shadow him. Probably your best corner on their best biggest receiver. I hope so. I mean, I, that would make sense, you know. But I don't. But like Jace Whitaker and Lorenzo Burns. I mean, I, I think Jace Whitaker is probably a little bit bigger, but I mean, we just simply don't have that size. So yeah, you're you're probably yeah. looking for best man man defender you have, and I would assume that's Jace Whitaker. I mean, right? I mean, I know Lorenzo Burns took some steps forward last year, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you i mean i guess it would have to be jace whitaker just based off of what we've seen in the past um you know beyond that i i'm i'm really nervous if we are unable to get to bowman i'm very nervous that we're going to have a repeat of hawaii because these shifty slot receivers could really create some trouble for us again what is the oh, matchup absolutely. that you're looking to see honestly i think it's arizona's run defense because if they can turn these guys into a one-dimensional passing team and I know Armand Shine has 170 yards and two touchdown carries. He's having a great season. But if Arizona can make them one dimension, force them to put the ball in the air, good things will happen because that's where your best chance for turnovers is. And Arizona's defense has been really good at getting interceptions this season so far, which is a nice change of pace yeah. for him. But there's a lot of weapons offensively. And if you know that they're going to throw the ball, it's a little bit easier to have the right personnel out there because we think and maybe we'll get there that Arizona has some decent depth in their secondary with multiple options at cornerback, especially with some proven guys like a Jace Whitaker, like a Lorenzo Burns, and even uh, Wolf has gotten a good, he's played a little bit. So they and Roland Wallace, like there's options there. There's athleticism in the secondary. And it seems like at least early on, they have a ball hawking nature to them. Mm-hmm. So if you can turn them, same thing as Arizona's offense, if you can get, take them out of the running game, then you have a really good chance to at least slow, no matter how good your quarterback is, no matter how good your receivers are. If the defense knows what's coming, at least pass first run, they can up a little bit better and have an ending it. But, it's hard for me to say there's a one-on-one matchup because, like we were talking to Jeremy, they have so many receiving options. So many guys. They have three guys who have at least 10 catches. One of them's a running back to Zon Henry, but they have a bunch of players who Bowman gets the ball to. So it's not so much, I guess, if you can take Vasher out of the game, I'm always by a 6'6 receiver with the type of ball skills that he has yeah. because those guys are, we saw it with Poindexter last year. Like When you have a guy who can do that, it makes your offense that much more difficult to defend against because you can just throw the ball up there and he's going to outjump everyone for it. Mm-hmm. But I just think there's so many options there where I don't know if there's a one-on-one, if they stop this guy for it, like if they stop Basher, that doesn't mean they're going to shut them down. But I do think if Arizona can slow down the running game, then they'll have a much better chance at keeping this offense one dimensional and therefore a little bit easier easier to defend against i do think that's fair and especially based off the point jeremy made of matt wells has balanced offense right he has come out and said that they will not only a passing offense they will certainly make a point at running especially with one of the more veteran maybe one of the more uh, i guess you know higher end more uh, better chemistry offensive lines that that matt wells inherited at texas tech um you know yeah the run defense i mean honestly i'm just i i think it's that on every level of the defense i'm a bit concerned uh just because you should be just because we really haven't seen anything to make us feel 
good about it. I mean, yes, takeaways have been great. I mean, they, they've been plentiful. That's fine. Um, but results is what it's about, you know, final outcome, right? I, um, yeah, I, I, We'll, we'll get to our predictions here shortly, um, but uh, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time with this one. Adam, <laughs> if, if, we've, if we now flip, though, to the other side, right? So if this is where I'm, if, if this is going to be a game, this is where it's going to happen, right? This is going to be Khalil Tate, unfortunately, going toe-to-toe with Alan Bowman and that offense. Uh, I hate to say step-for-step you know, step, trying to keep up, but I can't see any other situation. Um, what worries you? I mean, I know that they made you know, difference to Jordan Brooks and how you know he's a senior now and this has been his team, really. Uh, you know, that's fine i guess you know i i guess i question if what what their pass rush looks like you know i'm looking at the stats and you know they they only have four they only have four sacks on the year and presumably Which seems low it seems very low especially to the point of they have been blowing these first two teams out so you would expect that they have been facing a lot of passing attempts throughout the game and they've only yeah. been getting to the quarterback four times um now that very well may be the same thing that you know that arizona's situation was against nau they're simply playing very vanilla and they're not going to show much right now because they're saving it for this game and then when they get into conference play uh, the big 12 also has nine conference games like the pac 12 so um you know that that's very possible um i guess you know my thing though too is you know yes it's been a very good defense as you said they've only been allowing what 210 yards a game or so that's not going to happen in this game that's 100 not going to happen in this game i do like their corners though i think desmond smith and zach mcpherson who was a transfer from penn state and was granted immediate eligibility at four tech tech those two guys are definitely going to give us some trouble and i think it might turn to a bigger problem just given how inexperienced and young our receiving core is um you know i guess across the board running back you know the running game i i, I trust the running game will be there um and, and if it is you know all week of course they've been they've been coining the uh trip option arizona basically runs a triple option which you know maybe that's just a little jab in under his skin for this one <laughs> i don't know um i trust the i trust that the running game will be there the get it going i just i don't know you know if you're down if you're down 28 7 you can't keep running the ball you got to throw and that's why i feel like this is going to be a little dicey um what are you looking for for arizona's offense versus texas Tech's defense a fast start because we saw them against hawaii they got that slow start and they still came back a couple of times so arizona's offense is it's as explosive as it's ever been and I, i trust the running game to be there assuming Arizona sticks with it and doesn't fall behind early. And, of course, Arizona's offense is built off the running game, where it just opens up for them. And you don't want to rely on these inexperienced receivers who are getting better throughout the season. They will, but you'd rather not rely on them or Khalil Tate's right arm. But when they're there, you want them to be there when you need them. But, no, if Arizona can run the ball in this game, and there's, I just, I just can't buy that Texas Tech's defense has gone from as bad as it has been to really good I'm with that you. fast. Yeah. And I have a hard time finding they've gone from as bad as they've been to decent mm-hmm. in one off season with one coaching staff. I know Keith Patterson's their defensive coordinator. He spent some time at ASU. So U of A fans are probably unfamiliar with him, but just the idea that I don't know. I don't, I don't see Texas tech being the type of team to slow Arizona down. And it's one of those situations too, where I kind of looking at this game, does it feel like Arizona's kind of looking in a mirror for this one? This kind of that tier program. That's not the best in their conference, not the worst, just kind of in the middle with occasional years of being really good and right. this explosive offenses and defenses that are generally shaky. And I guess to, if you're trying to break this down, Arizona played Hawaii, who is far better than anyone Texas Tech has played up to this point. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how NAU would fare against UTEP or 
uh, was it Middle Tennessee? Uh, or Montana something? State. Montana. They're I got the wrong the same, end. They're actually in the same conference, so we'll find. So out there you go. Year. Close yeah. enough. Yeah. But so there, there we go. But now, nah, so like, I don't know. I guess to compare that because Arizona's played a decent team on the road against Hawaii and lost by a touchdown in a game they didn't play well and were half a yard away from at least sending to overtime if they wanted to, whereas Texas Tech hasn't left home yet and they haven't played anyone good. So the idea is going to be their first time seeing a team where Arizona's not a great football team most likely, but they're by far the best team that Texas Tech's going to have seen up to this point in the season in the third week or if you're Arizona, I guess the fourth week of your season. So to me, I don't look at it as a way where Texas Tech is going to slow Arizona down. But if Arizona gets off to a slow start like it did against Hawaii, then it makes them somewhat one-dimensional and takes away everything that they want to do. And I guess to that point, I don't know if I trust Arizona's defense to hold up enough to keep Texas Tech close to where the offense can make that comeback like it did against Hawaii. But the Wildcats get off to that fast start offensively. I see this game going a completely different direction and really a positive one. That's what offensively I trust the running game, the offense, the passing game can be there. But if the running game is there, Arizona's offense will be fine. I'm I, I'm having such a hard time with this. And we I, I promise, I keep saying, I promise we're going to get to our predictions here. I, I'm just having such a hard time trying to figure out how this is going to go. Because I yeah. can honestly see, you know, from one end of the spectrum to the other end and anything in between. I mean, I can honestly see um, like an Oklahoma State Rich Rod's first year. You know, where it just come out mm-hmm. guns a blaze and that's it. Take care of business at home. Good night. Thanks for coming. Uh, I could see a situation where it's like Houston last year. Granted, that was on the road. Um, crazy weather, circumstances, fine. Um, but I could see that, right? Like I could see ourselves just 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 crapping the bed early. I have a tougher time to, with that. I I mean, I, I definitely. I hope you're right. Honestly, I mean, I think the the point I'm at home. And and that and I think that is a fair point. That that's definitely in our advantage. I, I certainly agree with that. Um, the the point that I'm about to make, though, I think is you know probably applicable really across any really any matchup for any team, not just Arizona and Texas Tech. Um, but but it's definitely going to be ball security. You know, I, I definitely think that because these two offenses are going to rely so much on possession, and it might be a situation where whoever has the ball last, you know, is going to score, right? They're, but both defenses are just getting torched. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it kind of plays into that would be, you know, it just Arizona with the play calling. They just they have to find some balance because we are going to have to rely on the run game. I don't I don't think there's any two ways about it and we should rely on the run game like we're, absolutely we're very proficient with the run so we, we should rely on that but at the same time we know that Khalil Tate can make plays if, if you know if, if, if something breaks down right you know it's like yeah it's a little scramble you know he's on the rollout somebody's going to get open you have to be able to trust him too but there also has to be design situations for if you want to call it a triple option if you want to call it a rich rod offense what have you I don't care um, but there should be that type of option option available for Khalil Tate to pull him at out of a, a sticky situation um, because honestly this game I, I really feel is going to come down to did Arizona take care of the ball and you know w- was Quill Tate on it you know what I mean like was he making smart decisions I really think that's how this one's going to come down oh yeah it certainly seems like that type of game where actually for either side where if they go if they punt or if they come away empty with no points for maybe five drives gonna that that's going to be enough yeah. to lose a game. Mm-hmm. And that's what's tough because you don't know how that's going to happen. Is it turnovers? Is it a holding penalty just sets you back and you can't overcome that? Is it defenses coming to play? Like we're all expecting a shootout. Watch it be like a 13 to seven football game just because <laughs> nothing has to sense, but right. it, it certainly has that feel. And of course, Arizona had that type of game in week zero 
and fell just a possession short. That's even with getting the six turnovers. And then last week against NAU, Arizona scored touchdowns on their first seven drives. So if you can do that, and that's that goes for any team, right? Like, if, you don't, if you don't punt, if you don't turn the ball over, chances are you're going to win the football game. But for Arizona, I, I just... I know Arizona fans, and we're guilty of this too, is that it's easy to get down on them because we've seen their defense be shaky as all get up in the two games. It's easy to kind of be like, well, the offense hasn't always been great. Well, they were great against NAU, and after the first couple of drives, they were pretty damn good against Hawaii as well. Outside of, I guess, the interception that uh, Tate threw, Mm -hmm. things were looking pretty good offensively in that game in the fourth quarter interception, not the first one. That wasn't his fault. So... Arizona's offense is plenty capable of putting up another 50-something points in this game, especially against a defense that I'm not going to buy into being all that ready to face a team like Arizona. But you are absolutely right. If Arizona turns the ball over, they're going to have problems in this game. They can't afford to give up possessions like that with turnovers or penalties. And, of course, to your point when we began this show, they can't afford to extend drives with defensive penalties, especially personal foul-type penalties that don't have to happen. But that's that's how I see this game going. It's I, we could talk about the defenses all we want. I don't see either team really stopping either one. I just Arizona's defense will probably feel like they have something to prove, and that's to where like the Rich Rod's first year against Oklahoma State, you kind of feel like, oh, maybe this is that type of game where they just come out so fired up and focused, knowing that this is the type of game that could salvage their season or turn their season around or start buying that fan support back into them. But I certainly don't see a Houston situation where they come out flat and just nothing works. I don't think, I think Arizona this season with what they have in being at home, especially has enough to get them over that hump. The question is, will they be able to keep up? But I think both sides could ask that same question right now. Will Texas Tech be able to keep up with Arizona? Will Arizona be able to keep up with Texas Tech? Which team's going to blink first? And when I say blink, which team's going to punt? Which team's going to turn the ball over? And that's where to me, if Arizona can run the ball, less chance of that happening. All right, Adam, prediction time. You want me to go first? Oh, jeez. You want me to go first? How about I go first? I, I always make you go first. All right, let's do that. Um, it really pains me to say this. I, I do have us losing, and I actually I, I don't – I fear it's not going to be close. And I, oh, wow. My, my gut, I just – you know, I, I think a lot of it is I'm still just scarred by Hawaii. I'm still <laughs> scarred from, you know, the collapse at the end of last year, um, the start to last year. I mean, I guess I'm just there, there's just a lot of hurt still that I can't really get over. And I, I, I just I haven't seen it defensively to make me think that that we're going to be able to make this happen. And we've already seen this year how the offense can kind of stall. And, yeah, it, it picks back up and it can get going in a hurry. I just I don't think that if we stall, which I almost I, I just feel like we're going to stall. If that happens either, you know, via three and out via, you know, uh, you know a punt after a decent drive only to midfield, though, uh, via turnover. Um, I just I, I feel like those are going to happen and we're not going to be able to overcome it. And I actually I, I really think that we're going to lose by at least a couple touchdowns. What I will say at that point is I think we'll know early if it's going to be that type of game. Right? It was the same thing at Houston last year. You knew within uh, 10 game minutes that this was not going to go well. I think that would be the case this time, but I, I don't see it that way. I guess I'll, I'll pay the optimist card today. All right. And because I do think that the fact that Texas Tech hasn't played anyone legitimate up to this point is going to work against them. The things that were working in their first two games should not work Saturday. They're on the road. They're against a Pac-12 team who, for all the doubt that everyone has in Arizona, and much of it is legitimate, they lost a week zero game at Hawaii in a really close game. 
Like that's not a. I don't imagine that's going to be looked at as a bad loss by the time the season is over. Yeah. Just in the context of it coming off the ASU game and which was coming off the Washington State game and this whole off season to come out and lose like that was disappointing. It was disheartening. But I don't know if it's going to. We're going to look back and say, "Yep, that was a sign of what was to come." And Arizona being at home, knowing what's on the line in this one, because if they win this game, Arizona, then all of a sudden they're off to a pretty good start. You'll take two and one. Yes. Especially after starting 0 and one, but you'll yes. take two and one with home wins. One of them being over Texas tech. And all of a sudden your season, then you get UCLA and you should be three and one for that game. And maybe you start to get on a little bit of a roll. So I think the focus will be there. And I, I genuinely believe the offensive talent is there too. So I, I'm going to pick Arizona to win this game because they're at home. Okay. And I'll say 52 to 42. Hmm. I'm going to say Arizona's defense comes up with a turnover, comes up with a stop, and it's not a final play type of thing and not a who has the ball last type of thing, but Arizona just pulls away a little bit, and that's enough. Gets a couple of stops in a row, goes down there and scores a couple times, and it's just enough distance between these two teams that Texas Tech – Facing adversity for the first time all season, will just not have enough horses to keep up with Arizona, who's in year two with the new coaching staff and has a player like Khalil Tate, who this game being on ESPN might be a little bit more apt to kind of show out and remind people of what he can do. That's a very important point, too. Uh, Saturday kickoff is at 7.30, of course, Pac-12 after dark, but we do get ESPN, uh, the, the the ESPN 1, right? Not 2 or U or Plus or whatever the hell they do now. Uh, it, it is it is <laughs> the, the real ESPN. Yeah, it is the main ESPN. And, you know, uh, big big 12 big 12 countries going to be watching this one too i mean this, this is this is a pretty good matchup i think uh for saturday night so it, if, if nothing else it, it should be fun so adam um hey i'm with hey i you know you know me <laughs> i would absolutely love if we could do that and especially that that 52 42 giving them 42 points is is right in the marcel yates wheelhouse of, of, of final, uh-huh. final production so um that 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 I mean, hey, it, it checks out. I mean, at least I follow the logic. I understand it for sure. So um, we will be touching base, of course, next week. Um, however, uh, next week will be a bye week, right? So uh, go ahead and give a listen to Bryant and the 12-pack guys on the actual Texas Tech uh, review. And we're going to figure out, we're going to try to get a special guest on again uh, for the bye week or you know the game leading up to UCLA. Either way, uh, we're working on something good there too. So uh, Uh, Adam, until next time, uh, bear down and all the listeners. Thanks for joining us today. Best of luck on Saturday.